Hello and welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're going to be doing a target review, and we have picked the Crotons for your for your delectation. Um, the reason we picked the Crotons is because this year is the 30th anniversary of uh, Robert Holmes' passing. Um, now, this the anniversary is actually like quite a few weeks ago, actually, wasn't it? The actual date, it's the twenty fourth of May, I think. Yes, indeed. So we're, we're quite away, <laughs> we're quite away over the anniversary, uh, to be honest. But uh, we're going to carry on regardless, anyway. Yes, because it, it was um, Robert Holmes' first script for Doctor Who, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Even though the novelisation actually by Terence Dix. So <laughs> well, it was sort of actually. Terence Dix was pretty uh, important in getting it. Done wasn't it? Because Robert Holmes had written it or produced written it or yeah. s- such, and then uh, it Terrence just Dix got mothballed exactly until Terence Dix come across it and thought, actually, no, we can use this. Yeah, it was the uh, what was that story they abandoned? Uh, the Space the, Pirates, wasn't it? Or something? Yeah, yeah. It was yes, yeah. That was it, and this this is the script that took its place. So yeah. anyway, we we shall be coming to that a bit later on. But first, as usual, uh, let's have some news now. Um, filming for series ten has begun. It's officially begun this week. Hooray! Hooray! Indeed. <laughs> um, I'm a bit perplexed actually because um, one of our listeners, Robbie Bonham, hello Robbie, uh, sent me a message um, last week and, and said, um, "When are they?" Starting film. When is the Christmas special being filmed? Are we get? I think the original one was, are we are we getting a Christmas special this year? And I said, yes, we are. And so when's it filming? Has it already filmed? Because they're filming series ten this week. Yeah. So when's the? Have they? They must have already done the Christmas special filming then. Um. There's been nothing about it though, has there? Hasn't has there? I'm just assuming they must have done. Or it's going to be part of this this filming block. I, I I don't know. Unless yeah, unless something that they either someplace they're going for during the series ten is also the location for the Christmas special. So it just makes sense just to do it at some point. Yeah. Out of order, so to speak. Yeah, could be, could be. Yeah, it just it's just weird. We've had no official announcements so yes the film on the christmas special is wrapped or begun even you know it's it's really really weird um but anyway the news that broke last week um which was which i found quite interesting actually and i think it's been met with the usual skepticism from from uh, the hardcore fans is that matt lucas will be reprising his role as nardole in series 10 and it appears he's going to be like a semi-regular throughout series 10 um, yes. Yes. What, what are your, <laughs> yes. I, I was going to say, what What are your it's thoughts on that? But it's, <laughs> I, was, I was going to say, what are your thoughts? But that was quite a telling. Yes. <laughs> I just don't know. I mean, I'm, uh, yeah. It's it's one of those characters that you feel maybe comes rather um, over the top. If perhaps given too much time, I think. It's fine in the Christmas special. Cause it, yeah. was in, it was the light relief in that. Um, not sure where it goes 
over over various episodes. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I know you, know, you can only, I can only base what I've seen of Matt Lucas from Little Britain, really, and what you sort of get. And I've I've seen other things, but you kind of get Matt Lucas each time, don't you? Yeah, really. Um, and I think that's probably the the same sort of criticism that people levelled at Catherine Tate when she appeared in the Runaway Bride. You're getting Catherine Tate again. But however, when she joined as a full-time companion, she was fantastic. Yeah. So maybe Matt Lucas will prove us wrong. Prove, I mean, prove yeah, all the naysayers wrong, I should say. Because I'm keeping an open mind. It just does depend on... Uh, I, mean, I suppose it'd be something different. It will be. It will be. Now, um, some other one, other little bit of, sort of casting announcement is uh, actually called Stephanie Hyam as we're announcing the guest role in the new series. We don't know what episode she's going to be in, but she's previously been in Sherlock, um, which was on New Year's Day uh, this year, and she also played Charlotte in Peaky Blinders and Liddy Clark in the recently cancelled ITV series Jekyll and Hyde. Or yeah, G- Jekyll and Hyde, to sort of pronounce it properly. Um, yes, yeah, so that's all we know, but um, we have a new, a new director, Lawrence Goff, who directed Paul Mackey's uh, little trailer, that we saw a few weeks ago. Uh, Peter Bennett returns as producer. Brian Minchin is back as executive producer. Um, first episode is bitten, written by Stephen Moffat. That goes without saying, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and we've got Frank Cottrell Boyce is also back. Now, last time that Frank Cottrell Boyce submitted a script for Doctor Who, it was the forest of, or in the Forest of the Night, I should say, uh, which didn't go down too well, did it? With a lot of people, us included. Uh, yeah, it was just a bit. Uh... Nothing episode, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, exactly. So, um, this one. So, so, yeah, I have to say, you sort of look and you're thinking, there's not much there. No. That's well, well, making well, me go, ooh. No, no. <laughs> um, well, we do have a return in Sarah Dollard. Obviously yeah, wrote I'd, actually, I'd actually be interested to see if she's, if she's able then to just actually write something without having to um, cram in. Stephen Moffat's basically story yeah. into a book. Yeah, because yeah, there's bits of what she came up with was quite good. So uh, if she actually just gets to write her episode mm. and can have it as she wants it, then yes, that'd be good, I think it would be. It would be. Um, also, of course, Mark Gatiss is returning um, as well, and Mike Bartlett. Who wrote uh, for Doctor Foster? It was recently on BBC One, which is which won quite a few awards as well. That, yeah. that, that was very very popular. Um, so also featuring uh, uh, Saran Jones, also a, a sort of a, a Doctor Who veteran herself. So yes. um, yeah, I mean, as you say, there's I mean it's early days yet. Um, so as you say, there's nothing that really, really sort of stands out and, and sort of it's sort of got me really excited at the moment. If I'm perfectly perfectly honest, yeah. Yeah, there, yeah, there wasn't the the. Oh, I'd really like to see what he here do this or she do this time. So yeah, maybe, maybe we're just being a bit cynical again, Paul. Who knows? Probably yeah. Out of that list, I think yeah, Sarah Dollar is probably the one that sticks out, and you think yeah, okay, yeah, I'd like to see yeah, so I'll see what she's going to do. Yeah, precisely, yeah. precisely. And, uh, so not really any idea on Mike Bartlett because I didn't actually watch Doctor Foster. So um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, I I didn't enjoy it. To be honest, it wasn't my no. my kind of thing. If I'm honest, no. you know. So, but um, let's say it's horses for course, isn't it? I mean, there's plenty of people that don't enjoy Doctor Who. So, they there you go, there you go. Now, um, 
On to some other sort of the other sort of news about uh, sort of Doctor on the TV. This is the, really uh, to class the Doctor Who spin-off that we're getting um, this year. Um, now it's been announced. Uh, by Patrick Ness, who's the um, sort of the writer of this series, that the the series is going to feature uh, a gay lead. Um, now, this all came about after the, the terrible tragedy that happened last week um, in Orlando, and yes. um, he sort of it didn't seem right to sort of keep it uh, a secret. He sort of tweeted, and we were keeping that secret, think, but today that secret doesn't seem very important. So, I think somebody uh, it, was, it was in reply to somebody. Asking him, wasn't it? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Which actually seemed to be slightly. That's the only thing I find odd about that is that why would you, in light of that, immediately ask somebody, "Are you going to have any?" Well, maybe it just wasn't. It wasn't anything to do with that. I think Patrick Ness was, yeah. of, from his point of view, was well, you know, no point in keeping it a secret after what's happened on on that particular yeah. day. Um, then. Let's let's just announce it, you know. Sort of, I don't know. Try and give people some good news, I mm. suppose. You know, I, I don't know if you. I mean, can... I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I know. Can I say? I and mean, I suspect it wasn't as such that they was necessarily when he says keeping that secret. I don't think they was probably keeping that secret. They tried to keep as much as they. There's not been a lot of information about this at all, has there? No. This Nothing. story. So no. So in in the sense that I think they're trying to keep as much of this out of the. Um, public gaze, so to speak, until it actually happens. So I don't think it was just that the uh, yeah, I, I think there was this particular character they were trying to keep secret. It's just every character they were trying to keep secret. Yeah, there's not there's not a lot of sort of news about any of it, really, is there? I mean, no. um, I think well, there was something uh, I haven't got this on the news list, but then um, sort of last last week or the week before, Peter Capaldi say that um, he'd. Sort of secretly film something with Jenna Coleman. Now everyone's thinking, or putting two and two together, could be coming up the five that this could be a cameo in class. Yeah, for, for the pair of them, which is possible. It is possible, or it could just be like a little flashback thing for the for series ten. We, you know, nobody knows what this is, and I think he wasn't meant to. Obviously, wasn't meant to come out with this. So um, I would say we've got no idea what what this what no. this could have been. Um, so you know who knows? Who knows? But I mean, I think everyone's half expecting a a Doctor cameo in class, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think we've touched on this before, haven't we? That we thought that there'd be something just to set just just to set it firmly in the in the universe, Doctor Who world. Mm. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's 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 great that they've sort of got a sort of a, I would say an openly gay character. Um, in the series, um, it's not going to be. I mean, hoping that they're, I'm quite sure they're going to do it right. They're not going to, because usually we, when they introduce a, a gay character into series, they've always got some kind of issues, and then you know they're they're either a murderer or they get murdered, or do you know what I mean? So yeah, um, they're never just, act, yeah, there's or, I... or, or there's someone's gay best friend or something like that. Yeah, you know. So it's um, but it's like we don't know which of the leads. Um, is is going to be gay? We've got absolutely no idea. So um, no. I hope they do keep that bit secret. Anyway, uh, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's just interesting that they have managed to seem to have kept a lot of this under wraps. Yeah, well, I, so, think, it's, I think it's good. I think it's good. Yeah, I mean, no, it, yeah, you know, I'm definitely not knocking that. 
No. I mean, I think it's, it's again something that we've gone on about with the fact that you probably know too much about the episodes of Doctor Who coming out before they come to. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's good not to have that for once. Yeah. It really is good to have that. So, but anyway, if, if when, when we get any more news from class, obviously we'll, we'll discuss it um, on the podcast yeah. in the future. Now, um, on to a uh, big finish, uh, and also last whilst we've been away, it's been announced that um, Adric is to return uh, to uh, big finish in, in a sort of trio of stories in uh, twenty seventeen. Um, yes, these events can be set within season nineteen um, of the classic series, so it's going to sort of feature in that time. So. Um, Yes, the first story apparently is written is called The Star Men, written by Andrew Smith, who obviously created um, Adric in full circle. Um, and it doesn't actually say what the what the next one is, but the um, actually it was, oh, that no, does actually it's my mistake. Trinity continues with uh, the conting- I'll say that again, the Contingency Club. Put my teeth in, but by Phil by Phil um, Mulrin. Uh, which is set <laughs> feels such a hard name to say. It is actually, isn't it? Uh, which is set in, within an exclusive Victorian gentleman's club, it says here. Mm, okay. And then the uh, final story, which is called, uh, I'm not, I hope I'm pronounced this right, it's either Zoltis or Zaltis, uh, uh, which is written by Matthew J. Elliott. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, I must have, we haven't sort of delved into the return of Adric, have we, on Big Finish? No. No, I wonder no, when we'll get round to doing that. So, <laughs> yes, wonder when we get round to that. But um, I think it's good that Matthew Waterhouse has sort of been welcomed back into the fold. Really, I know he was sort of given a rough time, and, and I know we've given the character of Adric a rough time as well, haven't we? So, but yeah, it's. I think it's good that they've. It, you know, I think enough time has passed now to. You know, to it'd be back. nice to see whether he he gets a chance to. Uh, make the character less annoying, perhaps, for want of a better word, in the same way as Colin Baker got the chance to make his Doctor less annoying. Yes, yes, I must admit I haven't been looking for any, any reviews of Adric's return, so I've got no no idea what people have been saying about him whatsoever. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I, I think I think it's a it's a good thing. I mean, you know, it's you know all, all these actors are getting older now, um, and yeah. let's you know, you know for God's sake let's let's use them. Yeah, what while that where they're still with us, you know, it's getting back into Doctor Who while they're still with us, you know, even if it's yeah. just in audio form, you know, let's yeah, uh, let's do it, let's do it. So, um, but anyway, maybe one day we'll review them, maybe in the year yes. 2040 or something. <laughs> yes, that's about our speed limit at the moment, it is actually, it? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, now, um, awards news now, um, as with the 68th um, Emmy Awards, um, what is it next? Year is it? I don't know when it is actually. I oh, know it's this year, eighteenth yeah. September. Um, now it's quite exciting news actually. For the first time in Doctor Who's fifty-three year history, um, an actor, the lead actor from the show, has been li- has been listed in the best drama actor category. It's Peter Capaldi, uh, and this is for the um, Heaven Heaven Sent um, yes. episode. So. Um, which I'm not surprised about, to be honest. No, I really am not surprised about. Um, but this is, yeah, this is, but this yeah, is just no. the, f- the first round of nominations. So it's not the final. He's not in that, like the final four or five. Um, no, he's in the final 109. 109, <laughs> exactly. But it, it's from the point of view of, of it's the first time that an actor, the lead actor from Doctor Who, has been nominated. 
Um, yeah, that is actually taken yeah, it was, seriously. It was in the ballot. Enough. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but some of the names in there um, are Timothy Dalton, uh, Tom Ellis, Michael Sheen, Damien Lewis, David Duchovny, and Scott Bakula. Okay, and if you're interested in finding um, what the full list of names are, that's you can find that on the uh, on the Emmys website. But um, yeah, this is this is great. This is great stuff. Absolutely great. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope he gets to the final five at least. Get that far. Really do. I really do. I don't, think it's all, I don't know if the names are nominated. Is it three, four, five? I've got absolutely no idea. No, I don't. No, no idea at all. Okay, now on to the uh, next um, award. Um, It's Penelope Wilton has been made a dame in the Queen's Birthday Honours list. Now, if you've got who Penelope Wilton is, she was obviously um, Harriet Jones, MP for Flydale North, and also Harriet Jones Prime Minister as well. So, um, yes, congratulations. Congratulations. Now, um, amongst this um, sort of... List of birthday honours. Another two sort of Doctor Who, uh, not Doctor Who alumni, but people connected to Doctor Who. Brian Blessed has been made uh, an OBE. I'm not going to do my Order of the British Empire and play um, Outland Hope and Glory again. And, and then also Janet Ellis has been made an MBE. Um, of course, Janet Ellis was in. Oh God, I've forgotten. Um, oh God, I forgot what 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 sort of Janet Ellis in. Yeah, you, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's not going to come to me, I don't think. <laughs> no, no. Uh, was it one of the key to time stories? Uh, she's in the Horns of Nine. Horns of Nine, on it wasn't key to time. No, no, it was, certainly, was, certainly wasn't, no. Okay, yes, season 17. Yes, well done. Did you just Google that or just remember it? Uh, yeah, both. <laughs> <laughs> I remember to Google it. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. So congratulations to um to everybody there. Okay then. So um that's award. the only thing on that actually, oh, I have sorry, to say is Prime Blessed is is I was gonna say only an OBE, but you sort of feel that he's would have been much more than would have would have gone higher than that by now. Well yes, indeed actually. I thought it I mean, considering what, some of the other people. Yeah, why not Sir Brian have, Blessed? Yes. Yes, that have got it. Have had had a lesser career than him. Yes, indeed. I, I can't think of anybody offhand at the moment, but I know exactly what you mean. Yes, and 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 uh, so the amount of charity work he does do with various walks and climbing and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, Christ, I mean the it's guys well. the guys tried to conquer Everest on his own without any yeah. oxygen, tried to do it as they did in the days of old, and he was no yeah. spring chicken when he attempted to do that. Oh. You know, so, you know, you've, you've got to give it to the guy. And plus the fact he's a national treasure as well, so... yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so Brian, the, the campaign starts here, actually. So, Brian, bless it. Come on. Let's make, let's make it happen. So, of, of whatever. So, <laughs> anyway. That's that for um, awards news. But now, it's time for TAT news. Yes, because it's time for Omega's TAT Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Now, um, we did sort of promise the last time that we were, I say we were on the air, me and Paul were on the air, that we were going to uh, talk about the um, the Twelfth Doctor Sonic Screwdriver that had been released from uh, Character Online as they're as they're now known. Um, however, I decided to do that as a you little. Just couldn't sh- wait, I couldn't could wait, could I? No, I did a video podcast instead. Um, those of you, I haven't really sort of advertised the video podcast here actually. Now we have our own uh, YouTube channel. 
So if you just go onto YouTube and search Hoosie Podcast, you can find our um, our YouTube page. Um, please subscribe to it as well. We do put um, stuff up there semi regularly. So we have some. Um, so what I did, I did a, a, a sort of an unboxing um, video podcast um, of the um, of the twelfth Doctor Sonic Screwdriver, and I sort of, sort of basically sort of covered it off on there really. Um, I'm going to say again, please watch, you know, please watch it. Um, but it is, a, it is a nice bit of tat, and you'll you'll see that um, actually in the video if you, if you choose to choose to watch that. And you'll find out what Phil can do with one hand. Oh yes, <laughs> I think you'll find I, I can multitask. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so next up in uh, tat corner um, now something that came up whilst whilst we were we were away. Now a rare 1960s Dalek has been sold at auction for, and it is a record-breaking £38,000, uh, which is um, $55,000, or US dollars, I think it is. Now, this one's got quite a unique history, actually, isn't it? Because this was one of the um, Daleks used in Daleks Invasion of 2150 AD, which is the second Peter Cushing film, and it was given away in a Sugar Puffs promotional competition for the film. <laughs> what a thing to give away. It's amazing, right. isn't it? Absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, so um, apparently the successful bidder lives in London. Uh, it's yes, ne- it's neither of us. I was going to say, you haven't quite told your wife yet, have you? <laughs> <laughs> she wondered where the car's gone. Exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Now, apparently this was sort of part of a, um, a collection sold by a single collector. Um, by all accounts, the whole collection went for more than £90,000. Um, it also included a Cyberman from Earthshock, which sold for £2,000, um, and a TARDIS from the Doctor Who stage show, um, which went for £1,000. Am I assuming that's one of those ones that Pertwee did back in the day? I presume so, yeah. Yeah, I'm not entirely... And there was another guy playing the Doctor as well, wasn't there, on stage? Actually, didn't... Um, talking of Earthshock, didn't um, David Banks play the Doctor? One of those stage shows as well, wasn't he? An understudy uh, or something, and yeah, sort of something rings a bell on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not entirely, not entirely sure about that, but I, I, I like the fact that the only quote is from the seller's wife. <laughs> <laughs> so you know where where this is. There's no way we can accommodate all of these. The we there being rather <laughs> yes, it's the raw we. So, isn't it? The last thing I want is a Dalek in the bedroom. Everything has to go. We don't want any of it back. I don't think. I think there's a little voice in the background going, "I do, I do." <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit. It's very telling, that isn't it? We don't want anything <laughs> back. And says, I'm locking my my husband in the straitjacket <laughs> in the shed. So. <laughs> Just, I know, yeah, he's the one that's been to thirty-eight thousand for it. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, what a, I mean, what a, what a thing to buy though. That's a lot of money. Thirty-eight thousand pounds, though. I mean, that is. I mean, if you had thirty-eight thousand pounds on the hip pool, I mean, would you splash out on a Dalek if you pardon the pun? No, probably not. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> With that sort of money, I didn't expect I could. No, um. I could splash out wherever I like. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Oh crikey! Yeah, I, I, I that's that, yeah, that's that's quite a nice amount of money though to to make from something like that, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, so you've got to be a serious collector, haven't you, to to fork out that kind of money? You really yeah. have. Um, yeah, there's not much more you can say about that, really. But yeah, well, well done, whoever you are, I hope, I, I, wherever it is, or whoever you are. I hope it's in pride of place in in your well, well your house, your your, your garage, whatever. 
or your lock spaceship. up spaceship indeed <laughs> indeed <laughs> okay everybody well that is it for the news uh, for this week so coming up next is our review of the target novelization of the crotons so for another week then that was the news <laughs> Right then, everybody, it's time for another Target review. And as we said uh, previously, this time we are covering The Crotons, written by Terence Dix. Um, now, I think this... I'm not too sure which version this is. There was one one we actually read, because there was one released in 1985 and another one released in 1991 as well. I don't think there's too much of a difference, is there? As far no. as I know, as far as I know. But, um, but anyway, as you said, um, this was originally written for the screen by Robert Holmes. It was, his, as we said at the beginning of the show, this was his first um, script for Doctor Who. And it was sort of like one of the typical emergency scripts that seemed to be drafted at the last minute during Patrick Trout's last, last season, really, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, and it's my turn to kick this off, isn't yes. it? Yes. Um, I think the best way to kick this off, this is a rather perfunctory Target novelization, really, isn't it? It, it is. It is. It's li- script to screen, isn't it? Or, yeah, yeah. That's all this. That's all this is really. Um, and to be honest, it, I'm kind of disappointed in in this one. To be honest, it wasn't a, the, the most exciting read. It's not. I've got. To be, it's not the best story in the world either, is it? Let's let's be perfectly no. honest. It's yeah. It would have been. I would have even quite liked if we could have even had a a, a, a prologue to the. Um, what you, Frankie Howard? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, would have been, it would have been very much better with Frankie Howard in it. It would have been actually. <laughs> <laughs> so no, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh dear. no! I, I know what you mean. I know what you no, mean. You know, if it had even like had the original landing of the. Croton ship and that and part of that war, perhaps even mm. leading us to where we were, because that's that's the sort of thing that Terence Dix usually does. He, yeah, he put a little prologue in me just to expand on the story somewhat, um, yeah. just to give it a bit more depth, perhaps. Um, and he didn't do but, it in this one. I, I, no, because it wasn't it wasn't as if that was a secret. I mean that 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 sort of comes up quickly early on doesn't it it does yeah you felt that you know it just would have been nice to have set completely set the scene as to why these people have been so um taken over by these people they've never seen mm. yeah 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 and uh, uh, so i mean i think this is probably my my sort of problem with the story really because it's it's very much a, a typical how can I put it? Probably not. Though we have a typical Doctor Who story, but a typical sort of adventure story of that time. Hmm. You've you've well, got it... you've got sub, you know subjugated people. You've got one guy who wants freedom. You've got another guy who also wants freedom, but he's he, he's doing it for for his own benefit. He wants to take over. You've got these sort of overlords subjugating everybody. Then you've got like someone who comes in and helps them. The, the mysterious traveller comes in and helps them and it's very much sort of it goes from A to B to C to D like that. There's no there's no surprises in this at no. all, is there? No, I mean even what would have been better what could have been what could have been done better in this story. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm now telling Terence Dicks how to write. Um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I won't knock Terence Dicks, but I mean this no, is no, this no, is no, gonna no. be his I mean, best, is it? This is I just suddenly realised as I was saying that that 
<laughs> the stupidity of my comments, really. <laughs> uh, but it would have been nice to have had more on the fact of when they found out that they was being used and mm. what was happening. Yeah. So the so their bright young things that they were sending in. It just sort of the whole the whole dilemma, which the, the good part of this story should have been the whole dilemma on what do we do? We don't want another war. Mm. But they they we're being used. Yeah, it, they I think that I think this is what one of the belts used, really. Well they are, are, yeah. But but they're 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 sort of um they're all sort of pretty weak characters really, aren't they? And I know that that's the whole that's the whole point. There's they've been sort of under the so you know, want of a better expression, the jackboot of the of the Crotons for so many well, and, for so many and, years. And they they don't know any better, do they? Yeah, you know, for that, and they're basically brainwashed, aren't they, as well by them? Mm. Uh, their machines are to basically everything is geared to telling them that the Crotons are good. You know, the Crotons are there to help them. Yes. Um, so really, you thought it's the point where this story would have gone and could have made this a a really interesting story is in that point at which they find out that they're not mm. and that they are evil as such and they don't care for the Gons and they're just using them. Yeah, because it's very late in the day before, as we know, before the Crotons actually make any kind of appearance really, don't they? Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, do you think that's really to the the story's detriment because that could have—I mean—that could have easily been rectified in the book, really, couldn't it? I mean, um, I know, I know. So it's, it's difficult to separate the book from the TV show on this one because they're so similar. Yeah, I mean, it does do a couple of different things, which would we'll, sort of expand on a couple of things, but very, very briefly, um, which I'll sort of come on to in a minute. But um, they're just both so similar, and he didn't take any um, sort of liberties at all, did he? No, with, with the story, sort of try and make it a bit more exciting or make the Crotons a bit more menacing because it, you know they're just described exactly yeah. as, as they are on the screen, <laughs> they, they, aren't they? They? Come, they come across as plodding in the book as they do on the screen. Don't they? <laughs> the only the only bit um, that I can remember where the Crotons actually seem to be, he actually gives something to the Crotons that isn't on the screen, is when. The one is coming out of the spaceship to go after the Doctor and Zoe, mm. and he's asking for the um, obviously guidance. Yeah, because they can't see that well outside of the ship. Yeah, and you get um, Jamie saying it sounded as if there was a bit of a panic in its voice. Yes, that's right. That's right. While it was waiting, which I thought actually was quite a. It was was quite a good bit, but it was the only time when it actually tried to give them any sort of personality or, you know, just just to try and almost rationalise what they was doing. Yeah. Yeah, because even sort of like when you get down to, um, you, you've got, like the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the young rebel, Th- um, um, Thara or Thara, um, again... There's no background. Why is he rebelling? Why? What? What's made him think? You know, the Crotons. What the Crotons are doing is bad. Mm. There's, there's no sort of background to that at all, is there? 
Well, it sort of obviously starts with his love for Varna, but yeah, again, it, it's just but, the but, but even then, you don't really get any sort of um, sense that him and Varna are a couple. Even in the TV series, you don't. No, they could easily be brother and sister. Yeah, there could have been. There could have been more. Ba- yeah, like I said, there could there could have been more background. Mm. They could have fleshed out that none of the characters really are. Um, given any sort of backstory to this, are they? No, they're very, very two-dimensional. I actually thought in the TV series, mm. Elak and Axis, mm. when it's us, um, there was actually more that they was. You actually got the, there was a couple of looks between obviously them in on the TV mm. that says, "Oh, these two are plotting." Yeah, and are looking for their advantage. Then there was in the book. In the book, it just you just felt that Axis was just following orders. Well, once the, Elak had taken control, rather than well, the, there um, was, yeah, well, the, in and under they rather than he was part of the looking to seek power. Well, there was only sort of one sort of thing that I, I like that it was it was Selris. There was he had some internal monologue going with him where he was thinking about how much Elak would like to take control. Yeah. Um. And that sort of gave you a bit more of a about although he's always wanting to take control, he's always looking for you know, his, his foot in the door. Yeah. Which which obviously you didn't get in the um in the TV version. You, you just said Philip Maddock looking shifty, really, didn't you? Yeah. And that's sort of like, oh yeah, okay, he's the bad guy. You know, he he's the other guy who wants to want he wants power. So but in the book it turns it's tried to be a bit more subtle with it. He tried to, and that, that was only from what Selris was thinking. But again, there was nothing written sort of about his actions or him acting suspiciously or anything like that. No. Was there? And and you know, but as you say, they did that better really on the TV as you said, the T V show when they just sort of him and Axis sort of shot each other a look. Yeah. To be honest. Um and I also think that the the fight between Jamie and Axis at the beginning was was handled better on the on in the book, I feel, than the T V show. Um but even then it the, the fight is just out of nowhere. Why would Jamie yeah. pick a fight with someone like that? It just doesn't. No, and the, the, the only good thing, the good thing on that one in the book was the fact that Jamie says about the reasons why Jamie t- turns down the offer of an axe, which actually I'd forgotten that he'd even been offered the axe until I watched it again, and it's just like a very almost afterthought by somebody. Just sort of waves one in his direction and then puts it back in his. Yeah. So, oh, you better have one of these. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot. But, you know, Sort of, but you know, you get the thing with Jamie saying basically the inner monologue of Jamie that he'd rather fight with his bare hands than trust than try and trust a, an unknown weapon. Yeah. So I mean, there were okay. Maybe we're doing a bit of a disservice here, but I mean, there are little things in there that that will um, sort of try and sort of pad it out a little bit, um, and maybe sort of explain things a bit. But I mean, one and I think another thing that was done slightly better is when um, Thara. And his followers attack the Hall of Learning when they um, sort of bundle the custodian down to the floor. Um, yeah, which I think is given a different. He's given a different description um, in the book, isn't it? But on the on the TV, he's sort of quite a portly old gentleman that they rough up. <laughs> I feel quite sorry for him to be honest. But um, yeah, you get it much more from the custodian's point of view, don't you? You do. The, the attack on him. Yeah, but in the book, the attackers are hidden in the darkness. So you don't know it's Thara. Yeah. In the TV show, everything's sort of reasonably well lit, so you know exactly who's who's who and who's doing what. 
Um, yeah. At least in the book, it tried to sort of, if you've never watched the Crotons before, at least it sort of gave a bit more of a, a bit more of air of suspense, mm. really, which I think is the, you know, the, the, the one good thing's going for it. So. <laughs> the one thing the book tries to explain, which actually I, I thought actually sort of was actually better on the TV as well, mm. was the fact of when the, um, for want of a better word, snake-like yes. bit comes out to attack the Doctor. Yeah. In the... When you're watching it, when you watched it as a as the TV episode, you're left in a sort of, oh, do the Crotons know who the Doctor is, and that's why they've targeted him. Mm. But in the book, it very quickly says the Crotons identify the Doctor, doctor talking and decide that he's the ringleader, and that's yes. why they identify. Yeah, and, so if, and if he was killed, the others would just leave. That yes, was, yeah. Whereas actually on the TV, when when you first watch this episode, mm. you're actually thinking, oh, who who are the Crotons going to be? Because they're obviously somebody who knows the Doctor. Yeah. Which, obviously, which it wasn't. It wasn't at all, no. no. I mean, at least, at least the book went somewhere to try and explain that somewhat. Um but did you did you prefer did you say you prefer the the TV version? Or the I prefer the TV version actually. I think the explanation would have, would have been handed later on mm. when you know that it isn't. Yeah, you know, if the Doctor had asked them why did they why did he attack why did they attack him? Yeah, and then they'd have done the the explanation. It would have been would have been better there. I just think it just sort of killed that suspense on the who are they? Yeah, and why do they attack the, Why did they attack the Doctor? Why did they pick the Doctor to attack? Now, talking of the Crotons, how, how did you think they fared in the book? Um, as badly as they did on the TV, really. <laughs> which, which is the one point where they could really have been um, improved upon. Yes. Um, I mean, there, there was room for improvement. And oh. <laughs> there seemed to be no... I, no um, will to do it, I think, is probably the way to say that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it's almost as if Terence Dix just decided, if I change this, people are going to moan that I've changed it. So he did just do... Do you, do you, uh, sort of, do you sort of as, get, get the feeling that Terence Dix is so much in awe of Robert Holmes that he felt he would he, it would be rude to, to change anything? Of the story, um, not necessarily, because I suspect Robert Holmes didn't necessarily envisage the Crotons as they turned out. <laughs> I mean, and unless Robert Holmes said, "I want them lumbering, awkward," yes, <laughs> tin baths running around, yes, yes, with um, spinning coffee pots on top it's of it, coffee, coffee grinders. That's it. <laughs> I- and unless he particularly mentioned that when he was sending it off to the BBC, then <laughs> I wouldn't have thought necessarily there was any reason why Terence Dix had to follow that. No, no. I mean, whether, it, he I was, mean whether it was in awe of Robert Holmes or not. I mean, I mean that that creature design is front and center on the, on the front cover of the book, isn't it? So there's yes. there's, there's no get away from it. it. It's so sort of burned <laughs> in your in your mind of what they're going to look like. But, but yeah, but why they had to still be so? I mean, actually, so awkward and lumbering. In the book, I've, I, I, I'm not quite sure, really. No, me neither. Me neither. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's. I just sort of see it as a bit of a missed opportunity, 
really. It, it's it's a shame that out of all the Patrick's Trout and stories, these are sort of like the surviving one of the surviving ones, and it's not a, a great story by any stretch of the imagination. And we've already done a um, a commentary for it as well, haven't we? Yeah. Um, which I, I think during that we, we we said, well, you know, even then it's not one of the greatest Doctor Who stories by any stretch of the imagination. No. Um, and unfortunately, it didn't quite work out that way, book form either. Um, to no. Be honest. You, only... just, you just felt it was just a wasted opportunity to actually... Yeah. Because there are some good ideas in this. And, you know, the, the whole thing about the um, people being basically... Almost people being bred for... To, by by these aliens to to eventually help them as, escape. The thing is, what I mean, what kind of a crappy monster is this anyway? That they that they they crash, then they need the minds of people, basically, sort of almost like superior intellect. They need it to to get off the planet or just do anything really. And I thought, well, how the hell do these this bloody race survive in the first place? I mean, how do they get cre- who created them? Really, um, I, I, I suppose I suppose they they evolve, but once they manage to harness uh, brain patterns and brain falters as an energy, mm. then yeah, I suppose they do. But it's yeah. just it also sort of I don't know whether this is getting into sort of the idea of um uh, what's what's the word I'm going to look for uh, controlled breeding, but you'd have thought actually if you was doing that. You'd probably wouldn't keep killing off the brightest members of the no exactly of of the population yeah especially, especially if there's naturally no need to kill them. I could understand it if the the process killed them if they wasn't intelligent enough. Mm. But it just seems like it was just like oh well, we'll dispose of them. Yeah, no, never mind. There's, but... There seemed to be no need for that, and surely what you want to be doing there is to. Um, getting rid of the, well, if if you're going to get rid of people, you'd get rid of the the more uh, less advanced members of the the gene pool. Yes, indeed. That, that's that's well, yes, exactly. Exactly. If I was going to subjugate a race, this is, that's exactly how I would do it. <laughs> if, 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 if you if you're looking if you're looking to try and make them to to a significantly more intelligent. Species, I don't know. Um, mm. that's, that's sort of, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously there are. I don't know. I don't know enough about genealogy to know genealogy. No. If that's a word, I don't even know that. If that's a word, to um, <laughs> to know whether you actually there there is any um, to be gained by by that or not. No. So I might be talking completely. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Wrongly, well, I, mean, but... it, I mean, it's an interesting concept that a crystalline creature. That's that's an interesting thing. It's just the fact it's it's executed poorly on the TV and it's executed poorly in the book. I'm afraid as well. Yeah. It, it doesn't sort of right any wrongs whatsoever. The only <laughs> thing it does put right um, is the bit when Cerus is pulling down the pillars. Did you notice the mistake? No. Right. Okay. Um, the Doctor leaves Beta. You know the the the, uh, the guns. Oh yeah, no, yeah, and he's there. He's there. In the <laughs> so TV they, version, they, he leaves they, him they, in the brochure, and he's there leave, when, it, when he's pulling down the pillars. Yeah, they they leave Peter to rush off to warn him not to do it, <laughs> and Peter's there waiting for them when they arrive. <laughs> yes, I did notice that. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, you, you, I was took, actually... you took your time, didn't you? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't know. 
<laughs> At least the book puts that right. It gives it to a, like a, another nondescript person to, to yeah. say say Peter's line. But yeah, that, that was a mistake and laugh. That one. Yeah, they obviously yeah filmed it in in the wrong order, or he was just the he was just the actor that was around. So they thought, oh, it doesn't matter. You say it. Why you sneaked onto set? <laughs> but actually, get, getting back to the to the book side of this, um, the actual structure in the the under bit mm. um, of it being like a root system. Yes, really good in the book. That made more sense rather than just having a couple of pillars stand up. Yeah. It, it made it more, you know, more organic. Yes, didn't it? Which it was meant to be. Yeah. And, and and the fact and to made it more of a a problem as to why pulling them down was was going to cause as much damage as it did. Yeah, I mean on the TV it just comes across you're trying to pull down a low bearing wall. Yeah, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's it didn't come across any more than that to be honest. So yeah, you say in the book it it it, it made more sense. You were sort of you know having sort of said that the the, the whole thing could be a living. Uh, metal or whatever then it then it sort of followed that it's what it buries into the ground to support itself would be of of some roots of root like yeah 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 you're right that that makes much more sense than a a couple of um a couple of pillars (laughs) and having thought of that i mean you just feel yourself why didn't you just go the whole hog terence and and really Set about all the wrongs. Yes, I know. Just ah, it's such a shame. We we know the timescales he was under on these things. So you know, it is not necessarily a criticism of him as a writer, because obviously that. I mean, as I said earlier, this nowhere could are we going to start criticizing him as a writer. It, It is obviously a point that he was asked to produce this book, uh, and he followed it. And timing wise, probably didn't have time to to write it as as a novel from the start. Mm. So it is just really a um, putting the script into yes. the narrative in. Indeed, indeed. Um, and I think I mean I haven't got anything else to say because it is so close to the to the you know the, the televised version. I mean, would you recommend this book to people? Um, probably. Not, um, not, not from a point of view that you know I, I steer clear and never read it. But if, but if you was pondering over which of the target books to read, this uh, there, there are there are definitely others out there that you yeah. Go th- this first. would be if you if you've seen the the TV uh, episodes, then you're not gonna get him as much out of this as you will do out of some of the other target books no no i i agree i i wouldn't really recommend read this book you know i mean if if you're going to live it till last really i mean yeah out, out of all the target books we've we've covered so far this is down there with destiny of the daleks yeah and again what what we said destiny of the daleks review um for the for the target book he had a very very tight deadline and he was yeah. actually writing that i think as it was being just after it had been filmed, or, or prior to being filmed, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Asked. So it could come out at the same time, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean that that really was a, a real rush job. And okay, you'll probably think, well, hang on, this the Crotons was made in nineteen sixty eight. The first edition, this was nineteen eighty five. Why is he under under such a tight deadline? But that's how the cards were were stacked, unfortunately. And um, 
yeah, it, it's not a great one. So, you know, if you've watched the, as you've already said, Paul, you know, if you've watched the TV show, you're not going to get anything new out of this at all, really, are you? And if there's second Doctor stuff you haven't read, then really, why would you, you wouldn't want to choose this one over over an episode or, that no longer exists as a TV well, yeah, as I said, that's what normal people do. They would go and read one of the missing episodes. So. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if you've, if you've read most of the Target books, then I wouldn't say, oh, don't read this. Yeah. Because there is the odd bit in there, but it is just, just be prepared. Don't go into it thinking you're going to get a whole new view of the, the TV episode from it. No, exactly, exactly. It's, yeah, it's just, it's there, read it. Um, but we're not, we're not saying you must read it right now. Yeah, I think that's what we're trying to say. So. Yeah, yeah, there, there, there are some that have changed my views on different characters in different stories. Yes, indeed. Of other Target books, this indeed. one doesn't. No, unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. Right, okay, that's that um, for this week then. Now, coming up on our next episode, um, week after next, um, it should really be um, a return to our Series 2 retrospective. But we decided to go with another Big Finish story instead, because recently on um, BBC Radio 4 Extra, uh, they've been um, playing some Sixth Doctor stories, and they re- the one they had run recently was The Crimes of Thomas Brewster. Um, so we're actually going to be covering that. Now, um, by the time this episode goes out, it may just still be available to download on the BBC Radio iPlayer. Mm. So... Um, if you listen to this, go and download both the episodes. It's getting very, very close, I think, by the time this goes out, um, to the point where it's going to come off of the, the download um, list. So, yeah. Um, yeah, give it a go. If you can, give it a go. Give it a go. Just try and listen to it. Perhaps even send us your views on it. Yes, indeed. indeed. And we you... can add them to our own when we come to review it. Yes, indeed. So if you, if you did manage to listen to this one, or you've already listened to it as part of the Big Finish range, then um, please give us your, your feedback on The Crimes of Thomas Brewster. Okay, so that's what's coming up next. So, uh, I think that is it, Paul, isn't it? That is, yes. That is it, that is it. So, for another week then, it is goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Mm-hmm.